We're just glad you are with us. Well, we uh, have been in a couple different series in this new year. And by the way, you, you know it's a new year, right? 2018, we're February, we're like a month and a half into the new year. And so I just wanted to ask, how's it going? We're just going to spend today in a, in a message that doesn't relate to a series, but I want to encourage you in your faith. So what I want to do is just start by asking how, you know those commitments that you made way back like six weeks ago, going into a new year? Those commitments, those objectives, those things that you said, I want to make 2018 different. How's that going? Well, for most of us, it's very silent. Let me just tell you up here. Crickets up here. Well, for most of us, what happens when we make commitments, especially significant commitments, we get tested. Those commitments get tested. Matter of fact, maybe some of you made health commitments to work out. Well, the chances are the health clubs are free and available right now. It's easy to get a machine in February. Maybe you made commitments that you wanted your spiritual life to grow in some new dimensions. You wanted to start reading the Bible regularly, praying, worrying less. Or possibly you wanted to see a relationship get repaired or restored that was strained. Or you're in business and you wanted to take in a new market or launch a new product. We all have these dreams, these goals, and these things that we, we intend to do. And it's about six weeks when it starts to fade, when it starts to get tested. And so what I want to do is encourage you in the commitments that you've made. Encourage you in whatever commitments you felt led to make going into 2018. We're going to pause today and we're going to encourage each other in our faith and uh, God wants to encourage you because he wants us to finish the race well. Each and every one of us have a race that's put before us. And it's no one else's to run but you. And he wants to encourage you in the race that's before you. God wants to encourage you today to sustain the momentum that he wants in your life. And when the emotion fades and when you get tested... He wants us to, instead of just going, man, let me bow out, he wants us to press through. So let's do that. Let's encourage each other in that. Um, I've noticed walking with Jesus now for around 40 years, close to 40 years, and I've noticed that life and the life of faith specifically is a lot more like a marathon than it is a sprint. Many people start off in their faith excited and they're all in and then they have testing or they have something of a tragic loss or they have some form of spiritual resistance that comes against them or maybe they get re-encumbered in some sin and then everything gets into question. We often see some tragic situations of people just quitting on their faith because they're not able to press through and maintain spiritual momentum. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews. If you have a Bible, you can open it there. And uh, there's something about this book, especially uh, in chapters 11 and 12, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 12, that encourages us in our walk, in our race that we're running. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews um, is writing to the early Christians, and they came out of a Jewish background. They were those that were kept the law and got trapped up and tripped up into legalism. 
But they had found Christ. They had met Jesus Christ, and it had changed their lives. And so they took off uh, out of the gates with a bang. In fact, the writer at one point told these Christians, he said, don't ever forget those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrific suffering. He's saying, don't forget what it was like when you first took off, when you had that passion, when you had that vision, and when you had that energy. So why in the world would you turn your back now on God? Why would you turn your back on the commitments that you made? And you say, well, I don't know. Why would they? Well, life got really hard for them. Matter of fact, many of these Christians that the writer of Hebrews is writing to lost friendships over their faith. They had been rejected by family members. They lost their businesses, and some lost their lives. And so there was this extreme pressure from the outside testing them and kind of tempting them to want to go backwards. And so the writer of Hebrews is pleading with them, and he's urging them to reconsider their spiritual commitments. And so when we look at this passage, what we're going to see are some keys to running your race some keys to sustaining the momentum that God wants in our lives. So let's start with verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. Here's what the writer says. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. The writer of Hebrews is saying that if I am going to run a good race, if I'm going to finish well, then I've got to gain strength from other people who've gone before me, who ran the race well, who finished strong. One of the goals of my life is that I just finish strong. That's what I really want to do. I mean, I want to end up loving Jesus more when I die than when I first came to faith. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just maintain. I don't want to just barely kind of cross the finish line exhausted and not not sure where I stand with God. No, I I want my love for God, my passion for God, my passion for the kingdom to grow as I get older and not just to maintain. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, well, in order to do that, you're going to need other people in your life. And he's specifically referring back to chapter 11. He's speaking about this this all-star team of those who have gone before us. If you'll look at chapter 11 and you'll just see, kind of peruse through the chapter, you see various people there that he's referring to. There's, there's uh, Enoch and there's Noah and there's Abraham and there's Sarah and there is David and Joseph and Jacob and Esau. And it's a list of just snippets of their life, some of the highlights of their life of how in the midst of persecution, in the midst of resistance, with great discouragement at times. They had faith and they had a vision and they lived for it and they died for it. Some of them saw the answers to their faith, but most of them did not. They died not having it all, all of what God had showed them come true yet. And yet there's something about looking at people who've gone before us, who lived their faith well, that can bring encouragement to our lives. 
And so when you look through this, he says, when you feel yourself spiritually drifting, read about the passion of David because David testified to the, that his faith was worth it. And when you're fearful to obey God, read the story of Abraham and Isaac. They're witnesses to the life of faith and perseverance. And so as we read the scripture and we encounter those that went before us, it encourages us in our walk, in our race that we're running. But there's something that goes even beyond those that have gone before us as far as those written in scripture, which the writer is referring directly to, but there are living people right now in front of us that want to and that can bring encouragement to our lives. I, I remember as a newer Christian, I didn't like church. Matter of fact, I didn't want to go to any church. I didn't think I fit in church. I, don't I didn't think I belonged there. My life was riddled with addiction and sin and problems and brokenness. And, and I just thought, man, those are good people. You know, they probably wouldn't want me there. And so I tried to live the Christian life alone. I loved God. I knew God. I mean, I had come into a place of faith in Jesus Christ, but I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a, didn't want any part of God's people. And then I wondered, why was I not succeeding in the Christian faith? Why was I always feel like I was one step forward, two steps backwards? And it was because I had never gotten into any, any meaningful, significant relationships with God's people. Going to church, being a part of a community of faith is one of the ways that you surround yourself with a cloud of witnesses that are living today. People that can encourage you in your faith. I remember when I was living in Prescott, Arizona, we had planted a church there. I was 30, around, I think I was 32 years old. And we had moved there, no friends, no family, very alone, just, just our two kids and Tisa and myself. We started this church. And there was this one elderly lady. She was about 80 years old. Um, I was 32. And she came, and she came to my, my uh, small church. It was about seven people at the time. We were just launching. And uh, she said, I'm not going to come to your church but I'm going to pray for you all the time. And she, she said, I'm part of a, a mission church that's on an Indian reservation. She's like, so I can't come, but I'm going to pray for you. And anytime you're discouraged and anytime you want to come by my house, knock on my door, I'll lay my hands on you and pray for you. And she was this wonderful, older Pentecostal lady that, man, when she prayed, man, my head would shake. <laughs> And I found myself going to her house a lot <laughs> because there was something about being around Rose Gray that just encouraged my heart. Do you have people like that in your life? Maybe they're older. Maybe they're younger. Maybe they're different. Maybe they're right in your small group, in your life group. Have you reached out to them? Have you invited them into your life to be a witness of the faith, the life of faith that's set before you? See, God wants us to maintain a spiritual momentum and a passion throughout our life and to finish strong. And we're not going to do it alone. We're going to do it in community with other people. And so that's why Sunday morning is not enough. We need to be in, in groups. We need to be with other people throughout the week where we can encourage one another in the life of faith. So you need to put on some relationships. 
What relationship, as you think, what person of faith and godliness can strengthen your walk right now? Who is that? Where is that? I want to encourage you to pursue those healthy, godly, encouraging relationships in your life. And then he goes on and he says, there's something to put on, but there's something to strip off. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. He's saying, if I'm going to finish well, yeah, I've got to put on some relationships that are encouraging and inspiring, but I've got to strip off some weight that's dead weight. Uh, I got into backpacking when I was 12 years old, maybe earlier, I can't remember, but backpacked throughout all of my teenage years. And one of the things that, that we did back in the day was, you know, you'd buy this heavy equipment. Sometimes we'd even shop at the Army-Navy store and we'd just pack up, you know, and we had these backpacks that were like 50, 60 pounds and you got man points for carrying heavy weight, you know, uphill. Well, about eight or nine years ago, you know, up in the Northwest, I'd Re, kind of rediscovered a passion for backpacking. And I realized, you know, everybody now, it's about ultralight. It's not about how heavy can you carry and what, you know, you get man points now for ultralight. Yeah, I got a 15-pound pack. I'm cool. And it costs like $1,000 for a 15-pound pack because it's expensive. Now, people who ultralight backpack, man, they can, they can cover like 25, 30 35 miles in a day, and the amount of things they can see and the amount of ground they can cover. See, almost every sport is about taking weight off. It's not about putting it on unless you're a sumo wrestler. <laughs> There's a man, though, in London who ran the slowest marathon ever. Matter of fact, his marathon was so slow, he finished in six days, four hours, 30 minutes, and 56 seconds, right? Other runners... They're running in nylon shorts and tank tops, lightweight tennis shoes. Uh, but Lloyd Scott, he bought himself uh, something pretty unusual. It was a diver's suit from 1940. And he had 25-pound shoes, metal helmet weighing 40 pounds. And the whole suit just weighed him down. And, it, and you think, what kind of idiot would do that? <laughs> Well, he actually was doing it for charity. So, yeah, kudos. But they, nobody will let him run anymore because nobody wants to wait around that long for him to get done. <laughs> but what a picture that is, though, of how many Christians are walking and running their race with this amount of weight on your life. And the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, man, if you're going to run with endurance and you're going to run and finish strong... You've got to strip off the weight that's weighing you down. And he's saying specifically sin weighs us down. Sin does. It easily trips us up. It's unnecessary weight. The word sin in the Greek is hamartia, and it means missing the mark. It means missing the mark. And every time I read the scripture, one of the things that God's word does is as it reflects into my heart, my motives, my mind, it convicts me of sin. Things that I'm missing the mark on. Areas that are weighing me down. 
And he convicts me of sin because he loves me. God convicts you of sin because he loves you. Not because he wants to grind your face and do it. No, he, he wants to free you from weight, unnecessary weight that's tripping you up. As you look at your own life, you say, well, where is it that I, I mean, most of us know. We know where we're compromising. We know things that we're looking at that we shouldn't be. We know how we're using our cell phone to engage in inappropriate chatting or sexting or any number of things. I mean, there's so many areas in our life today that it's easy, isn't it? It's almost acceptable in our culture to compromise on. And yet, the problem isn't just the compromises we make. The problem is the bondage it gets us into. The problem is the, the guilt that we're left with and the shame that we struggle with. And God says, I just want to free you of all that stuff because I want you to be able to run the race of life ultralight. I want you to run and have joy in your life and be free of guilt and free of shame. He's saying, so you got to get rid of this unnecessary weight and thanks be to God for Jesus Christ because he is the one who paid the ultimate price on the cross and he takes all of our sin and all of our shame if you'll give it to him. And his blood cleanses us and makes us totally and completely clean. But he says, you gotta admit it. You gotta confess it. You gotta come to him in humility. And if you'll do that, he said he'll be faithful to forgive you all of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's how we get free, and that's how we get light. That's how we can run the race that's set before us. What is it you need to let go of? What is weighing you down? Is it worry? Is it guilt or shame? Is it sin? Is it just this hyper-busyness that has just become a form of, of, of distraction away from your real purpose? Whatever it is, identify it. Bring it to God and get rid of it. And then the writer goes on. He says, so you put on these healthy relationships. You, you take off, strip off sin. And he says, and then let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. God has set a race before each one of us. And it's your race. It's no one else's to run. About eight years ago, I started getting into endurance, uh, some endurance racing. And I've never done that before. Uh, always liked just more like racquetball and things that were just in the moment, really fast-paced, and then you're done. And uh, so I... I started with a, like a, a small triathlon and then built up from there and did a couple other triathlons and did this uh, biking trip from Seattle to Portland, you know, the Seattle to Portland. Some of you, have any of you done that one? Yeah? <laughs> I feel very alone up here. Uh, you're like, what kind of idiot would do that? Uh, but... Um, one of the things that I noticed in endurance uh, sports is that you get about two-thirds of the way there, and then you, you, you just start to question the whole thing. You kind of hit a wall. And it's like, why did I do this? What kind of idiot pill did I take? 
Why am I here? This is pointless. This is stupid. And you fight with yourself in that place when you hit the wall, right? And it's, but there's a place you can push past and you can finish. And people have asked me, you know, why do you do that? Why, what's your goal? Or a better one is after you're done, what, what was your time? And I'm like, I have no idea what my time is. Because even though they call it a race, I'm not really racing anyone else. I'm just racing myself. Because I'm not really worthy to race competitively with anybody else. I'm not that good. Matter of fact, my goal is to finish alive <laughs> in any of these. It really is. That's it. It's just my goal is to finish. I don't time myself at all. Now, some of you, I know a couple of you, you're, you're athletes, you're competitive athletes, and you know your time, and you're competing, and you're my inspiration, but I'm not there yet. You know, every now and then I'll race somebody, I'll pick somebody out like some old man who's about 80 with a limp, and I'll go, I can beat him, you know? And then he'll beat me, because he's just been racing a lot longer. And so I'm just in it, not to win it, I'm in it to finish. I'm in it to finish. How about your race? Are you in it to finish strong? To finish strong? To push past the quitting points? Because it's a race of endurance. It's not a sprint. And it's your race. No one else can run it for you. And you don't need to compete against other people. You just need to run your race. The race of a life of faith that God has put before you and just finish strong. In the race of life, God is far more interested in how we finish than how we began. And one of the great men of faith in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And uh, Paul's life was not easy, not easy at all, so difficult. Matter of fact, when I read snippets of Paul's struggles, it makes my struggles seem kind of small. Read this with me, 2 Corinthians 11. says, I have worked, this is Paul, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. And I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. When I read that, I realize some of the things I complain about are a little bit smaller than that. And none of these hardships were enough to cause Paul to quit or dissuade him from pressing on. None of it quenched his passion to follow Jesus or his love for God. So I want to encourage you as, you, as we read about people like that, that it inspires us, encourages us. Where is it that you need to persevere? Where is it in your life right now you feel like quitting? You feel like you're at that point where you hit a wall and you're wondering, where is God? Why don't I feel him? Why did I even make these commitments? 
whether it's to a marriage or whether it's in your walk with God or to some endeavor that he called you to do or some commitment that he called you to make, and you just want to give up. And God is wanting to breathe fresh life into you this morning. Hebrews 12.2 also says, we do this. In other words, we run this race of endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's saying, who do you keep your eyes on? On Jesus. You don't keep your eyes on the person in front of you or the person zooming by you. We all have those comparative problems, don't we, where we look around and we go, man, I wish my race was as easy as this person's. If someone else feels like they're getting ahead, you look around and someone else got married first or you're trying to conceive and they're having babies like rabbits and you're just wondering, what's wrong with me? Or maybe it's a promotion that you've worked long and hard for and it was handed out to somebody else. Or or you're dealing with chronic pain and health issues and you look around and everybody else just seems healthy all around you. It's so easy to feel like, man, I've got it harder. My race is more difficult than anyone else. No one understands me. And the truth is, if you were to unpack every person's story that's here, you'd find pain and loss and suffering and difficulty. We just, you probably just don't know enough people if you don't know that other people are struggling too. We all have our struggle. We all have our own race to run. So don't compare to other people. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. He is the champion. He's the champion. He's the initiator, the starter of your faith. And he is the one who will see you through to the very end, the perfecter of your faith. Don't get discouraged. Quit comparing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So how do you do that? How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Well, we have this great opportunity leading up to Easter. Easter is about seven weeks away. We're entering into a season um, in the ancient Christian calendar and customs called Lent. And uh, Lent is just the season leading up to Easter, similar to what Advent is to Christmas. And Lent, though, is a time where we focus on Jesus. We focus on him. And one of the ways that the ancient church is always focused on Jesus during the Lent season is through prayer and fasting. And so I want to call us as a church to a time of prayer and fasting, 40 days. That's actually what Lent means, is 40, 40 days leading up to Easter. And so pick something that you will fast. Uh, it, it doesn't, you don't have to fast every day, uh, every meal leading up to Easter. You'd be really skinny if you do that. But just pick something, like maybe fast a food product, or fast for some, maybe it's coffee, I know. Don't, don't stone me. <laughs> Some, maybe it's, a, it's like, I love to have my wine or my beer. Maybe fast that. Or fast from social media. Some think, man, I couldn't live 40 days without Facebook. Well, good. Maybe that's a clue. Maybe that's a sign. You should fast that. What is it and where is it? You can make a sacrifice And pull something out of your life and dedicate it to God for that time and then pray. 
Don't just fast, pray. Pray, because the, the fasting should lead us to prayer, because we're missing something, right, in our life. It's a meal or some, some item that's important to us, and when we're missing it, that should be a trigger point then to pray and say, God, help me need you as much as I feel like I need this thing I'm fasting from. Help me press into you. Help me keep my eyes focused on you. Stay in the word of God. Get in his word and make it a habit every day to just spend time with him. We're talking about how do you run the race? Well, you press into relationships. You get rid of sin. You realize that the race you're running is a race of endurance, and you keep your eye focused on Jesus. We do that. We do that as we spend time with God, as we spend time in encouraging relationships. And, and coming to church is an important part of our faith. Because it's one of the ways that we keep getting encouraged and we encourage and inspire one another like iron sharpening iron. And so let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And then here's the last part of Hebrews 12 too. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, that's Jesus, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. The writer of Hebrews uses Jesus as, a, as an example of someone that we can look to that went through incredible suffering, incredible difficulty, and yet he kept his eye on the finish line. He kept his eye beyond the cross on all of those that he would redeem. That's you and me. He kept his eye on his heavenly father. He was able to look past the suffering to a place of joy. The author seems to be saying that on the other side of the finish line is the smiling Heavenly Father. And in this race called life, we need to regularly look up, to lift our head up, to look beyond the pain, beyond the difficulty, beyond the setbacks, and be able to look at a finish line where every important relationship in heaven will be restored, every tear will be wiped away, we will be fully made well. There's a place where we'll be embraced by our Heavenly Father. And we know that there's something that goes beyond this life. We weren't made for this life alone. We're sojourners here on this earth. We are made for heaven. We are made for eternal life. Paul said, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So no matter how hard it is, sometimes it's important just to look beyond and look into eternity and look at a finish line that extends beyond this life. Paul also said in Philippians, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I want to just, before we pray here, I just want to go back to verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, he is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus is the champion. You don't have to be the champion of your own story. You're not the hero. Jesus is. He's the hero. He's the champion. He's the one that's gone before you. He's the one that walks with you right now in whatever you're going through because he sent his Holy Spirit to live within you. He's the one who forgives us. 
He's the one who's redeemed us. He's the one who went to the cross. He's the one who waits for us in eternity. Jesus is the champion. Do you know him? He's the one who initiates your faith. You don't initiate your own faith. Jesus is the initiator of faith. And he is the one who will perfect it and help us all the way through. So I want to encourage us as we pray this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your champion, as the author and finisher of your faith, as almighty God, today's the day you can open your heart. Invite him in. Let him be Lord and leader. Acknowledge that. Ask him to be the forgiver of your sin. And then watch what he does in your life, empowering you to run your race. If you're here and maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, but you're just kind of tired, you're kind of worn out, you just feel like you're going through the motions and you're kind of looking on the sidelines like, where can I rest and just sit down? And God has a purpose and a plan for you. He just wants to encourage you this morning and to say, press into those relationships. Keep your eye on Jesus. Get rid of sin. Keep your eye on the finish line. Let's pray together. God, we want to just say thank you for forgiving us, for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross to pay the penalty of my sin. You are the champion. And I want to keep my eye fixed on you. Maybe you're here this morning and you... You just don't know Jesus as a champion, a hero of your story. You don't know him as Lord and Savior, the forgiver of your sin. And I want to invite you right now just to acknowledge him as champion and invite him to forgive you so that you can get rid of every weight that has been weighing you down. So if that's you, would you pray along with me? Jesus, I invite you in. You are Lord and leader of my life. I want you to be my champion. I want you to be the hero of my story. God, I pray that you would forgive me for all of my sin and remove every weight of guilt and shame off of my life. The destructive power of selfishness and sin. Lord, remove it, I pray. And I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to empower me right now, right in this place, right where I'm seated. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Give me endurance for the race set before me. Give me encouragement and help me see a finish line where there's hope. I'm just asking this in faith that you, Jesus, are the initiator of my faith and you're initiating something new in me this morning. Just in this quiet moment, if that was you and you prayed that prayer with me, would you just lift your hand to God just as a sign to him, Lord, I'm, I'm inviting you in. Amen, amen, good, good, amen. Yes, yeah, amen. Lord, would you just bless each one who's lifted their hand and invited you in this morning, God? Would you strengthen them and bless them and encourage them in the struggles of their life right now? Reveal your great love for each person and give 
empowerment, Holy Spirit. Bring friends around them that will also be that cloud of witnesses to encourage and strengthen them. Lord, I pray for each person that's here that's been walking with you, but they're just tired of the fight. Lord, would you give new encouragement, fresh strength, new power to them? God, that each one of us can run the race that has been set before us and we can finish strong. We can finish loving you even more, more passionate about our walk with you than ever before. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is going to be a, uh, a great run up towards Easter as we get ready to celebrate that. Down the road a little bit, we're going to be focusing on Jesus an awful lot, looking to him, fasting from coffee, really? Some kind of cult you run in here, man? Come on. Don't be surprised, by the way, if maybe what God puts on your heart to, to yield to him for Lent is something that makes you uncomfortable, because it's the discomfort that reminds us to keep looking to Jesus. So don't, I wouldn't take anything off the table as you're seeking the Lord about that. Hey, uh, as we do get ready to ramp up to Easter, though, we're going to be talking a lot about Jesus. We're going to do a series that's focused on, kind of broadly speaking, everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus taught, and everything Jesus accomplished during his ministry here on earth. So if, uh, I guarantee you, you will learn and grow and be challenged by that. You may have friends or families or neighbors uh, who are curious about who Jesus really was and what his life was all about. F please feel free to bring them as well. Look forward to having your friends and guests and family with us also. And then just a reminder here at the end of the service, uh, if you need prayer, would like someone to pray with you or for you about anything, our team will be over here on this side of the auditorium. If you're new or newer to the church and looking to get connected, I would love to meet with you for about five minutes just over here on this side of the auditorium. Uh, God bless you then as you go. Have a great remainder of your weekend.